Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And this week's episode is brought to you by my cousin Polly. You short on cash? Need a little bit of a loan? My cousin Polly can take care of you. Maybe take the missus out for a nice dinner. Don't worry about it. He'll get his money when he wants it. <laughs> so this week on the Vorthos cast, we are not going to be talking about Magic the Gathering. We're going to be talking about The Forgotten Realms, the Dungeons and Dragons setting that is the focus of, I, I guess we'll be talking about Magic a little, because it's the focus of this summer's Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms set. <clears throat> so this is this is an interesting topic because I don't have a ton of experience with The Forgotten Realms. I, you know, I, I, I was around when Baldur's Gate was out and all that stuff, and I just Never got into it when I was younger, and it wasn't until, like, 4th or 5th edition came around that I started to even be interested. Uh, so this this week, we are go- I'm going to be turning to the cast experts on D&D, Brian and Chris. Oh, don't call me that. Don't experts. call me an expert. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I, I know. If you're a big Dungeons & Dragons fan... Just turn this off now. You're not going to you're not going to you're not going to like this. Like if you're if you're one of those people who knows all the minutia of the Forgotten Realms, I'm just going to tell you this. This episode is not for you. Please don't write in letting us know like. D- don't be me. <laughs> don't be me criticizing this podcast for D&D. No, send it all to me so I can reference it later. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's let's start. So first of all, what is Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, so I was thinking about this when you're talking about like the Forgotten Realms and and being experts on the Forgotten Realms. I just want to say I've played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in my life. I've played maybe three campaigns set in the Forgotten Realms. Um, the thing mm. about Dungeons and Dragons is that it's a game system. It's not really anything like specific. Like you can play Dungeons and Dragons and be playing an entirely different world than the Forgotten Realms. You don't have to be doing it in that setting. So that's like the most important thing to remember. Like when we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, we're talking about a game system developed by Wizards of the Coast. Now, the Forgotten Realms is the setting for most official Dungeons and Dragons content now. Hasn't always been, but is now. So what is the Forgotten Realms? So the Forgotten Realms is basically the portion of, or this this world that is the place where all of the Dungeons & Dragons lore and official lore for from WotC is, takes place. Um, the majority of it takes place in uh, the Sword Coast, but there's a lot of other places in the world, and there's also the various planes of existence um, that are encompassed within the Forgotten Realms. Um, let's, so, let's, let's talk about those real quick. Um, so metaphysically, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't work like Magic's planes, right? Like you can't just step from, say, the Forgotten Realms into, uh, say, Eberron. Uh, well, actually, um, it's well, actually, actually easier to, to cross those planes than in Magic. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so oh, so no. let me let me revise then. So. <laughs> There's kind of a multiverse in the Forgotten Realms I've seen from my reading. Like, you can board a skyship weatherlight, a spell jammer, as it's called, and travel between these different worlds. Is that correct? 
not all of the D&D campaign settings are like part of the same yes. multiverse, though, are they? The official ones, I think, are. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, like, one of the weird things about the Forgotten Realms lore and metaphysics is that there's the different planes of existence, and then there's different realms as well. So, for example, you mentioned Eberron earlier. Eberron is, like, a different realm, a different planet, in a way. Um, you can get there through magical means, uh, but it doesn't exist in the same world as the the uh, Sword Coast does, for example. Um, and then there's, like, pocket realms, too. So, like, if you've ever played Curse of Strahd, there's Barovia, which is sort of it's isolated, separate world from the rest of the Forgotten Realms. And it's like a little pocket. Yeah. Think of it. Think of it like a um, a created plane like Mirrodin was. It, it wasn't like a naturally occurring thing, but they, something created it. In the case of Barovia, it was a dark power that created it. And, you know, people are able to get there either by Strahd. So it sounds there, kind of like the terminology flipped in D&D. So what we would, what in magic would be called a plane in D&D is called a realm. And in magic, a realm like the mortal realm of Theros or the god realm Nyx or, you know, the underworld, which is a, a different subplane or realm, that would be more like the planes in magic. Is that right? <laughs> okay. Not entirely. Uh, like, it, it's close. It's close because... Here's, here's the thing. It's like, it, it regardless of which, whether you're going to a different realm or a different plane of existence, like, um, Faerun, which is on Toril, which is... Faerun is a continent on the world of Toril, which is where the Sword Coast resides, um, is is its own plane as opposed to, or its own realm as opposed to Eberron. But they all, they kind of share their different, some of these, depending on, I guess, they all share, they're considered on the prime material plane. Okay. Um, mm. So I guess we can consider that like a solar system. But, you know, like how um, Dominaria has a moon, Eberron and Faerun, we, or Toro, we can technically, we might say that those are on the same solar system, but you could planeswalk to a different plane, like the plane of fire, or plane of water, or the, uh, one of the realms of the gods, like they have their own different planes, or you could uh, planeswalk or mm -hmm. plane shift to uh, the Nine Hells. Yeah, to give you an idea, uh, there is a spell in D&D &D called Plane Shift, which is a seventh level spell, pretty high level. But it is available to clerics, sorcerers, warlocks, wizards, and druids. So, like, gotcha. pretty much anyone who reaches, like, high magic level can, like, walk into, you know, Avernus or, like, the Feywild, maybe. You know, it's all, like, you can just do it. You don't have to be born with a spark to get across the, the different planes. If you're high enough level or powerful enough, you can find your way to one of these other so my understanding is like when we when we talk about the planes here you've got like the divine ish realms which are based around the different alignments and then a little below that you've got like the elemental like you mentioned the elemental plane of water or something like that and then you've kind of got these subplanes like feywild and what was the other one well i was just the avernus probably avernus. would be a good example um mm -hmm. so okay so it a lot of this sounds like early magic, which makes sense because early magic was basically D&D, &D, 
metaphysics until they started to better define what a planeswalker was. Uh, okay, so I, I think that's enough metaphysics for now. How about we talk about when the Forgotten Realms was created in real life and how it was created? Is this like the original um, Gary Gygax campaign setting or what? Brian, you're going to know better than I do because uh, I have never read the books. <laughs> so as far as that far back, I'm not entirely certain. So I, I wouldn't take this as word of God, but my understanding is it, it is the same environment, but it's just changed because as they've told stories, they've fleshed out the world. And it's my understanding is it is it is the same thing that we're talking about. Um, D&D has a number of other realms that they've told stories on um like dragon lance or other things um throughout the, the times but my understanding is that the forgotten realms is <laughs> primary so it's, my, it's my limited understanding is it it is kind of a lot like magic in that the earliest D D adventures and lore was retroactively made to be in the forgotten realms ah uh, uh, gotcha sort of like a lot of things Dom- were Dominaria afterwards, yeah. yeah like dominia became dominaria and you know like that kind of like oh well you know we're just saying it's all on dominaria it was kind of like that um and, and it, it makes sense when you think about the fact that for a very long time D, like i said was a game system and you were kind of bringing your own stories to it and then once people started bringing a lot of the same stories in the same settings to it and they wanted to create a cohesive world around it that's when gotcha. we got the forgotten realms okay uh, one of our live listeners just mentioned that Greyhawk was the earliest setting. Forgotten Realms came later, but Forgotten Realms is currently like the 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 major setting, the 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 con- most continuous setting that has existed in D anD. d I would say like the the this is the Forgotten Realms ever since like third edition I think has been the primary plane uh, the primary setting for a lot of D anD. d by default. Yeah, because. It's one of those things where immediately after the live listener said it, I remember there was a lot of like there was legal, there was legal confrontations mm. about Greyhawk specifically, which is gotcha. kind of why we they use Forgotten Realms instead of Greyhawk because Gygax. So the Forgotten Realms as well. I did, I did, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, so I'd know like what to ask here. It's interesting because you mentioned earlier like Faerun or Faerun, um, like that's where most of the action takes place. And there are, gosh, like, it's it's so crazy, like, when you actually dig down into the lore, because there are real-world human Earth mythologies that exist in D&D, because Earth exists in D&D, uh, in, in Forgotten Realms, I should say. So, like, you'll see, like, Norse gods, um, ancient Babylonian gods, and, and a, a Jay, few others. <laughs> like this, one of our people a, on our... So, I, I phrased the question to our Discord earlier, asking them what they would like to know, and someone brought up that very fact, that there is, like, real-world mythologies existing on Faerun, or on Toril, the planet where Faerun is at. Um, I I don't think any of that's going to matter. We're not going to see... No, 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 no. <laughs> we're not going to see an Odin card in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. It is just fascinating to me, because it's, like, such a hodgepodge that has been put together over the years... Uh, one of the, the one of the reasons I brought it up is there is actually a parallel but out of phase planet. So Toril is the planet, but there is a parallel but out of phase planet existing exactly where it is 
that seems to only exist to remove problematic continents <laughs> that were written back in the day and replace them with more generic fantasy stuff that is not problematic. Yeah, <laughs> like, so we'll get into that when we talk about some of the major events in Forgotten Realms history. So let's let's talk about like I you know honestly I'm reading I, I went down this wiki rabbit hole for a couple days and I was just without like it's so hard without context to to understand this so uh let's talk about those overarching big historical events so we know what the forgotten realms is we knew faerun is like the big uh the continent where most of the adventures take place uh what what's like the overarching big history of dnd of of forgotten realms i should say yeah it's a it's a little complicated because there's lore going all the way back to like a dnd or advanced dnd right um, there's like all these like histories of wars and and struggles and things, but I think if you want to know about the Forgotten Realms today, there's really two major events that happened before Fifth Edition. So Fifth Edition, when it came out, kind of began a new wave of lore, and we can talk about that more. But there's two big events that get referenced all the time in Fifth Edition lore, and specifically things that I think we'll see referenced in the set as well. Um, and that's the time of troubles, which was a time wherein all of the gods became mortal. And you can imagine that creates some problems. And then the spell plague, which is like one of the biggest defining historical moments in the the lore of Forgotten Realms. Uh, the spell plague happened when Mistral, who was a goddess of magic or is the goddess of magic, uh, she was made mortal during the time of troubles and she was assassinated. And you can imagine what happens when the goddess of magic is assassinated. So essentially the spell plague was a time when magic just stopped working correctly. Um, In a lot of ways, it stopped working at all. But there were huge zones where there just wasn't magic. There were huge problems in trying to cast spells. It was like a giant event that happened. Um, Yeah, like clerics couldn't call down the spells from their god that they normally could. Or magic didn't react the way that they expected. Uh, one thing that's important that if you were any kind of telepath or Zionicist, as most people would know them, or like people who are familiar with D and D, especially in three point five, Zionicists are people who can do things with their minds, cause damage, tele- telepathy, um, distinct from the magical uh, versions of all that, though, right? Uh, like that was my understanding. One where you can move things with your mind. Yeah, their magic seemed to work relatively fine, but it was anything that required like casting a spell or calling on a, a calling upon power from a god didn't work the way that generally didn't work the way that And these were work. these these major events, so the time of troubles and the spell plague, my understanding is these were like the jumps from one edition to another. Like this was the explanation for continuity, you know, it was like Superman Superboy punching, you know, the edge of the universe. It was them rearrange how how they explain rearranging things in continuity yeah so like what kind of happened during the time of troubles and the the spell plague for both of them is like the divine system got messed up you know so like it changed how divinity worked it changed who was a god and who wasn't a god it caused empires to collapse and kingdoms to fall and also new ones to raise up so it was just a way to essentially say let's take the lore we have established shake it up make something new so people will buy our books um <laughs> by the new books yeah <laughs> L- listen if, for those of you at home I, I don't know if you're aware of this but 
Wizards of the Coast wants you to buy their books and their products. Okay, continue. They make very nice ones. Um, so yeah, the the Time of Troubles. So we we were talking earlier about there being uh, Toral and then another planet that exists out of phase in the same area as Toral, um, where like you know bad continuity things get banished. <laughs> um, so the Time of Troubles essentially began because. There were these things called the Tablets of Fate that were destroyed by, like, the over-god. I, I don't want to get into too many details here. Um, that caused all of the, the gods to become mortal. The spell plague happened when Mistral was killed. Uh, the jump to 5th edition began with, with, with what was called the Second Sundering. So the First Sundering caused the Time of Troubles and the Spell Plague. What that did is it broke down the barrier between Toril and Abir, which is that other out-of-phase planet. Um, so that they kind of existed at the same time and caused all these like weird continuity things and like gods died and were reborn and all that. Um, with the end of the spell plague, uh, Mistral came back to life. Magic was fixed. Uh, and that same over god was like, hey, I'm going to recreate the Tablets of Faith, Fate and I'm going to sunder Toril and Abir from each other. So it was a way of wizards saying, hey, all that weird continuity stuff, cutting it. Um, so they literally sundered those things a lot, uh, apart. And this caused like a lot of changes in the cosmology. Uh, it caused a lot of gods to mysteriously disappear and old ones to reappear, things like that. Um, it was just like the major inciting event that caused the fifth edition change. Okay, so we've, we've been in fifth edition for a while now. I think it's like seven years or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> what what are what are some of the uh adventures that have taken place on Forgotten Realms uh like the 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 guidebooks or the campaign guides I mean I, I don't remember exactly what they're called. One of the the very first ones they released and one of the ones that I've played uh was the Rise of Tiamat storyline and we've seen Tiamat she's in the set so we know there's going to be some references to the Rise of Tiamat right in the card set at least. Um that was a story where like Tiamat is like the goddess of dragons. She's the queen goddess of dragons. She's terrible. Of evil, evil dragons. So evil. evil. Like yeah, I've seen well. so many people pipe in because there's another god that is the god of good dragons. Bahamut. Bahamut. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I've summoned him in Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like in the, the Rise of Tiamat campaign that they released, you essentially play out a major historical event, which is where uh, this cult of dragons has decided that they want to bring Tiamat back into to, uh, Faerun, or back into Toril, I suppose. She's been locked out by the Second Sundering and all of that going on. Um, so they're going to bring her back, and the campaign revolves around you uh, following the dragon cult, figuring out what they're doing, and then eventually you work to unite all of the different factions on Faerun together to fight off this you know rise of Tiamat. Um, you're successful because it's a D&D campaign, so... We assume at the end of it, you win. <laughs> the next one after that is Princes of the Apocalypse, where you have cults of four elemental, sorry, giant elemental forces um, who are trying to summon these elemental forces to the prime material plane. Your goal is to stop them from manifesting on the prime material plane. So you're stopping, you're going to four different locations to stop these cultists from summoning their elemental evils. Yeah, there's a lot of like cultists being the main villains in D and D. Um, the, the there's also like following pretty immediately after that one was uh, I think the Storm King's Thunder campaign, which no, nope. it was out of the abyss next. Oh, it was out of that the abyss was, next. Yep. So that one was uh, where there was 
there was a period in the storyline where um, one of the oh god I can't remember what his name is um, one of the demon princes uh, was trying to get loose or, like there were some magical things that were happening in the underdark that were causing the it, it was there was this lair time out time out rewind what what is the underdark oh oh my the okay. underdark is basically <laughs> a like if you like on earth there's you know there's the crust of the planet and there's a bunch of caves but on toro like these caves can be super extensive and like like they connect to civilizations that are literally living underneath the ground um that's where the majority of the drow are from where like dritz dwarden um those are the like the shadow elves dark dark elves um and like you have an it has its own ecology like there's a ton of like random monsters and uh civilizations like the dark elves you've got the deep gnomes you've got the durgar which are the uh, gray dwarves um a lot of these cultures live underneath the surface of toro in the underdark like okay i, I, I want sorry s- i just wanted to define that for people yeah. who are brand new it's, so it's, um, it's a it's a cave. It's a, a a much. It's a fancy, fancy, large cave system. I shouldn't say fancy. Okay. So continue continue with the kind of the recap of the the big events from the campaigns. Uh, so yeah. Uh, basically, the prince of uh, the demons Demogorgon, which is not to be confused with the one from Stranger Things, because the one from Stranger Things is much weaker than the actual Demogorgon from. Forgotten Realms. Um, he is one of the strongest, if not the strongest, demon uh, prince. From yeah, it's he, he's two cool. headed. I had no idea what the origin for that yeah, was. Yeah, he has two heads and some whips for hands. It's it's super freaky, but he gets loose um, because of some weakening of the lair, uh, like of the um, the barrier between the primaterial and. Uh, gosh, the demon web, not demon web, but not Avernus, that's the devils. Uh, God. Yeah, it's very confusing, and D&D, devils <laughs> and demons, very different. Yes. <laughs> they they are reverse from magic, right? Yeah, so devils are the generally devils the, are the organized yeah. deal makers, and the demons are the chaotic ones. Yeah. Um, so basically, that whole campaign is you, uh, fight, joining forces with a bunch of people to send Demogorgon back to where he belongs is the next one then storm king's thunder i know it's like because storm king's thunder is slightly related to the rise of tiamat storyline actually the next one um, is curse of strahd then storm king's thunder well curse of strahd doesn't really count curse of strahd takes place in another like pocket yep, realm that, that's fair so yes um i'm playing curse of strahd right now with some friends it's really fun we're having a great time um but i uh the next one was storm king's thunder after that Storm King's Thunder involves uh, the giants going to war with the small folk. The small folk are, you know, the humans and other human-sized creatures, because to giants, they're kind of small. And it turns out that, like, the king of giants has disappeared, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And there's the ordning, which is, like, the, the law that holds the giants away from killing all the small folk. And you have to, like, reestablish the ordning, but you have to find the giant king uh, it's a really fun campaign, and it all like amounts to one of the coolest sort of endings ever, where you find out that orchestrating all of this chaos 
is this dragon named Iimrith. And she is like trying to cause all of these problems because what she wants to do is go to a place called the Anorak Desert where she's going to unearth a Tarrasque. And Tarrasques are the coolest monster in D&D, hands down. What is a what is a Tarrasque exactly? Oh, like it's I've a always, kaiju. By the way, I've always read it as Tarrasque. <laughs> That's wrong. Uh, it's Tarrasque. Uh, they're, they're kaiju. They're just kaiju. Like, they're giant monsters. Oh, I love they're, it. They're not super intelligent, but they are hard to kill. Like, near impossible. And they will raise entire cities. Uh, Iamrith summoning one Tarrasque is enough to, like, concern the entire world. For for those of you more familiar with magic, I believe like the persona, the the manifestations of the Theron gods in Mythic Odysseys of Theros, uh, I think they were Terasks, right? Like they were these giant destructive kaiju. If you actually fought one, uh, I think that they had a lower CR than a Terask, but I'm not okay. certain off the top yeah. of my head. <laughs> I think no, it's they, no, yeah. they they certainly did. I okay. think it is easier to kill like. Thassa herself than it would be to kill a Tarrasque. <laughs> so, so basically, the 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 lore for the Tarrasque, or not not the lore, but like the the blurbs, if you were looking up the Tarrasque in the Monster Manual, is you don't actually kill a Tarrasque. What happens is you reduce them to the point where they want they leave the battle and they they hibernate for an untold amount of time, so they see it fit to reemerge. Gotcha. So you don't you don't just kill Tarrasques. And, and what Iemrith is doing is she is trying to wake one of them up. There's one that's like hidden beneath the desert and she's there to wake it up. And so your goal in that campaign is to stop her. uh, And you're assisted by like, you know, the giants and all these other groups because everyone's like, we can put everything aside as long as we don't let this dragon lady summon a (laughs) Tarrasque. But then uh, after that one, I'm sure there's like a bunch of other campaigns. But the most notable one that I can remember is uh, the Tomb of Annihilation, also known as the Death Curse. Which is that's actually the next is campaign, it? yeah. Yep, or that's, that's the next full campaign. The next book is the anthologies of smaller stories. Yeah, yeah, there's all like tiny little adventures that they print in all these books. I've got like two like Tales of the Yawning Portal over here, which has got yep. a bunch of that little was the adventures. Next book. Um, yep. But like the major campaign ones are the major historical events. I think we might see referenced. Uh, and so in that case. Um, the Tomb of Annihilation, or the, the event of the Death Curse in uh, Faerun and Toril, uh, resurrection magic just kind of stops working. Um, so, like, a big thing about about uh, the Forgotten Realms that's kind of different from magic mythos is that in the Forgotten Realms, it's actually, like, not that difficult to bring someone back from the dead. Like, you have to be really powerful, and you have to have, like, a lot of diamonds, usually. But, like, if someone's dead, you can kind of resurrect them. Like, it's no big deal. I wouldn't say it's no big deal. It, it is a big deal, but you just, if you're the right person, if you're powerful enough and they see it worthy, they deem you worthy enough to do it, it's not as big of a deal as trying to bring someone back to life in the real world. Yeah, like in, in Magic, you know, Vincer is dead, dead, but in like D&D world and Forgotten Realms, he was pretty important. Karn would have shilled out some money and found a powerful cleric and brought him back. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So so the problem with the, the death curse is that resurrection magic stops working and everyone who was resurrected, who has, like, ever been resurrected, uh, starts, like, rapidly aging and getting sick. Um, because, essentially, what's happening in the, the Death Curse is that uh, Aserak, who is a powerful lich, 
uh, is hiding out in Chult, and he has discovered, in layman's terms, a, a dead baby god. Um, uh, it's it's very complicated in the the terms of the cosmology. Uh, but he's like discovered this dead baby god, and he's using the souls of every person who dies to like empower this dead baby god, um, so that he can become a god. And so your goal is to go to his tomb of annihilation and stop him. Uh, it's a really fun and also terrifying campaign, as you can imagine. Um, yep, I've DM'd it and played it. It's it's a good <laughs> one. Oh, it's good though. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, once you yes, get once you get through all the jungles, it's really fun. Um, I had more fun DMing it than playing it though. <laughs> yeah, I will say that the big pull about this one and the reason why I definitely want to talk about it is like, yeah, it's got like global implications, but also a Sarak major D and D character going all the way back. Um, Aserak is a very, very powerful lich who is the centerpiece of, you've probably heard of it, the Tomb of Horrors, which is like a adventure module made by, I think, Gary Gygax himself. Is that the one that's like, you just run through it till you die and see how far you can yes. get? Yeah, it's, it is it's just a meat grinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, Tomb of Annihilation is actually a pared down version of that. Yeah, the, the the tomb and tomb annihilation that you go to is actually like really kind of relaxing compared to the tomb of horrors. <laughs> uh, the tomb of horrors was designed to just kill you. Um, it is a common like D and D group thing to do where you just bring like twenty character sheets to the table and you just grab a new one every time your character dies to see how far you can get through the tomb of horrors. Um, but Aserak is like the centerpiece of that, and he's also the centerpiece of the Tomb of Annihilation adventure. Awesome. So let's let's move on because we've been talking about this for a while. What are like the major locations and, and places and organizations people should know on Faerun, um, which is as we've discussed, like the main location of the Forgotten Realms. You know, like kind of like 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 we said earlier. You know, there might it's like early magic where there might be a multiverse. Might be all these different other lands, but we pretty much just stay on Dominaria. We don't just stay on like Faerun. Most adventures take place on the Sword Coast, which is like <laughs> a sliver of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the Sword Coast, uh, and and Brian can elaborate more on like the the nature of the cities. But there's like three major cities, and then like another couple of like really notable cities on the Sword Coast. And the the three ones that you're you're definitely gonna know are Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate, and Neverwinter. Those are like, we have the Baldur's Gate games, we have the Neverwinter games, we have Waterdeep Heist, which is like a name of one of the books. Those are the three major cities. Um, and then there's Dragon Heist. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So Waterdeep is like a, a very high society kind of city. Um, it, it's probably the most prosperous city in the area outside of Silvery Moon. Um, but Silvery Moon's a little bit far away, so... It doesn't count. It's not actually on the Sword Coast, but it's in relation to, it's close enough to them to be relate, like in relations with them. Um, it, it's, it's a, I believe it's called the City of Wonders, or, uh, it, it's, it's a very nice city. It's, it's, if you wanted to live in any of the three cities that Chris mentioned, Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate, or Neverwinter, you want to live in Waterdeep. Waterdeep is by far the most ordered city of the three. Um, Baldur's Gate is a slightly rough and tumble city. Um, it has its its own aristocracy that tends to. It's a, a slightly more oppressive city as far as top down. 
Um, but it, it's a good place to start an adventure. Um, you've got Neverwinter, which is realistically a, a budding city. Oh, t- time out, time out. Waterdeep. Uh, is Waterdeep the location on like a big mountain and there's a giant dungeon underneath? Yes, it is. Uh, the Undermountain, I think it's called yep, or something like that. That is correct. Undermountain, that, that is the one of the books uh, is called, um, what is it? Oh, gosh. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yeah, Dungeon of the Mad Mage was mm-hmm. there. Um, that I actually DM'd that one. That was that's a hoot because basically you have a Mad Mage, Halister, what? Not Blackstaff. Halister. <laughs> Definitely not Blackstaff. Yeah, um, Halister the Mad Mage. He's the Lord of the uh, of Undermountain, and basically he is control, and he, he's in control of this place where that every level is successive. It's yeah, successively harder. Um, but he has portals all over the place. You have portals between different levels on the uh, of the dungeon. You also have portals that take you to different places in in the Forgotten Realms. Like basically, there are a bunch of monsters that he's had portaled in from different places, and like they have each level has it may have its own ecosystem or theme. Like you have a, a level that's all mechanical, and you have one level that's like all it, it has its own forest and like green dragon or not, or not green dragon but like it, well there is a level with dragons on it but like there's a level that has a forest <laughs> and like nymphs and whatnot and then you have a level that has like um random temples to different gods it, it's it's a place where he's constantly channeling his energy to keep it as random as possible to keep people from getting to him while he does his own devices it's, and it's a really fun campaign if you want to do it, but it's a very long campaign, and it's whew, it's, it's a good one. I, I could see us getting a Halister Black Cloak uh, card. I think that he's a, a interesting enough character uh, to have a card, and if not him, the Undermountain would definitely get some sort of reference. Agreed. So I think the next one you mentioned was Baldur's Gate, which is one that's incredibly familiar, especially since there's that new Baldur's Gate 3 video game. Uh, my understanding of the basics of the lore is it's like, this is the more rough and tumble city. Like there's a group of law keepers, but it like, there are three different evil gods that have dominion over this. And a lot of the plot is around one of them trying to be resurrected through his spawn, through his like demigod children, essentially. Uh, that sounds about right. I have not played the Baldur's Gate <laughs> games, so I'm not the expert. <gasps> Baldur's Gate, just for the purposes of understanding the lore, is the adventurer city. It's where you're going to meet in a tavern in a corner by a fireplace and, like, get hired for a mission to go do something like, oh, we need you to go check out this, you know, windmill. And then the next thing you know, like, a few days later, you're fighting a god or something. Like, that's Baldur's Gate. One thing I'll mention is because the Forgotten Realms is such a diverse setting in terms of how much world building there is, there's no way we're going to cover everything here. Like if, if, if something comes up, like there's a faction in Baldur's Gate that we need to talk about in Flavor Gems, we'll cover it there. Um, so please don't don't comment. Well, actually, you forgot about these 15 important things. That would be a whole episode by themselves. No. Yeah. Uh, so what are we, what is Neverwinter? That one I don't know anything about, but I'm familiar with the game Neverwinter Nights. It's it's not as big of a city, but it's worth mentioning. It's a um I want to say it's just it's very similar to Baldur's Gate in the sense that it is like an adventurer city, but I I'm not super familiar with it cuz most of the stories don't really go there. 
Yeah, um, to be honest, you're you're exactly right. Um, there's not a ton of story like aligned with Neverwinter. Like it's it's brought up in some of the later Grits novels uh, as because it's recovering, um, and you have a, a duke who was banished from um, Waterdeep trying to raise Neverwinter up as in status to equal or, or rival Waterdeep. Um, but that that's ugh, there. There's a lot of stuff going on there that I don't feel like I have. I haven't reread it recently, and it, it'd probably take a lot of explaining. Um, but basically, Neverwinter is a city that used to be a really popular city in the area, and it fell on hard times due to, I believe, a volcanic eruption nearby during the Cataclysm, um, and one of the banished dukes from Waterdeep. Uh, Dagot Neverember um, was trying to rebuild the city, um, uh, and then and you wanted to talk about Luskin, which is which is a, a fun place. <laughs> yeah, Luskin is the pirate city in the northern northwestern area of the, uh, the Sword Coast, and it used to have a a thinly veiled, or it used to be. Um, the more rowdy, or it used to be just flirting with the line of being a, a a city that was on the up and up, but recently due to uh, the infiltration and um, domination of the band of dark elves, male dark elves led by uh, the, the, the group Regendarth, I'm trying to say this without too many spoilers for story <laughs> points. For anyone who would want to read them, because they're actually good books, and, uh, written by Ari Salvatore, who mentions it. But basically, um, it used as as far as Five E is concerned, Luskin is a city who is run by a number of pirate captains. Um, the highest ranking pirate captain in the city, who thus runs the city, is actually a dark elf. Who, if you know the city, you know it's run by a dark elf, but it's not out in the open. It's like the worst kept secret. <laughs> The, the power of the throne of Luskin is basically in, in the hands of the Dark Elf group of Bregendarth. I'm probably not saying that wrong. I'm probably saying that wrong because it's a weird spelling, but sue me. Um, I read the books. I don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, probably worth mentioning here that there a lot of the lore comes from these, these D&D adventures and campaigns that are released. But a lot of the lore is also coming from these novels, mostly by Ari Salvatore, who wrote He's a written lot like of forgotten 500 realms. by himself, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've like most of my knowledge comes from Yari Salvatore Grits books, um, but there are a number of authors who've written countless books on other individuals in Toril. Like you have the Elminster books, you have uh, the different factions, uh, the Harpers. Um, there's a lot of story that is in comp- or there's not as much as there used to be because of I, Wizards stopped supporting, like, they, they stopped their publishing arm, like, shortly after 5e came out, my, is my understanding. So some of these writers are still writing, but a, a lot of, like, they don't do as much publishing. They don't do any publishing of their own. A lot of these, or I don't know how exactly that works, but basically these writers aren't going through Wizards. They still turn these books in through Wizards and release them, but it's not as... They aren't producing as many books on these storylines as they used to. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, uh, I'm just going to speed run us through some of the other locations I think that are important to Go talk about. Go for it. Yeah, um, we're running low on well, time. <laughs> some of the important ones I think we need to know about. Uh, there's the Frozen Far, which is a term for sort of the, the north icy area of Faerun. Um, this is where you find Icewind Dale, which is uh, named in one of the adventure books, I believe, that came out not too long ago. Um, Icewind Dale is like the northern... I don't know, Canada of Faerun. Um, it's, it's snowy, <laughs> icy. Uh, you got to wear heavy cloaks and things there. Um, it's it's on what is called the Spine of the World. So the Spine of the World is a mountain range that is incredibly important to the, the lore of Faerun and that like a lot of dwarves go there and live there. And that includes uh, a very specific dwarf who we've seen a card for. Brunor Battlehammer uh, has a... Like, he founded one of the dwarven cities in the Spine of the World, I believe. Um, Basically, there's a mm-hmm. uh, dwarf, or Brunner Bannerhammer um, has started a camp of dwarves that, after he left, um, after he ran away from Hall because of a dragon attack. So he led his dwarves up there, and they've lived there up, up until the point where he decided he wanted to go find Hall again. Um, so that's where the Dritz storyline really starts in Icewind Dale with Brunner Battlehammer's Clan of Dwarves. Um, yeah, it's it's also like the major locations for Storm King's Thunder all happen up there. Um, and then also the Maelstrom, which is like a special giant place. And then um, also the Anorak Desert, another location I think is important to know about is the, just well, the, the desert. Out, so the, the mm-hmm. Dark Alliance games, like that new one coming out this summer, takes place in that plot point too, right? Yes. With Icewind Dale and the Spine of the World. Okay. That, that I just wanted correct, to make sure I'm thinking in the right place. One thing to note is that, that that Dark Alliance game is taking place before the 5th edition, basically. like It's, it's a storyline that's happened from years ago. Okay. All right. Chris, continue. <laughs> Speedrunning. Um, so, Anorak Desert, it's the desert. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, it's where the end of the Storm King's Thunder story takes place, where the Tarask is, and I Am Earth is trying to, to awaken it. Um, lots of stuff happens in the Anorak Desert. Uh, there's also a couple of other sort of like nations. Uh, one of them is called Thay. Thay is where the Red Wizards of Thay are from. Uh, this is evil world. Um, this is like human evil world. This is the the Red Wizards are very bad people. Um, they use magic for slavery and subjugation. Uh, they are all sorts of intrigue and evil. Thay is not a place you want to be, generally speaking. Uh, there's also Chult. Chult is where most of the events, I guess all of the events really, of uh, the Tomb of Annihilation happen. It is like the jungle world of Faerun. Um, big jungles, lots of undead, lots of dinosaurs. One of the like key defining things of Chult is that there is an undead dinosaur um, who is constantly trying to eat you. Uh, think of Rotting Regisaur, but in D&D. Um, uh, then there's also the Underdark, which we talked about earlier a little bit, but there's one of the main features of the Underdark is the city Minzo Baranzen. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, I've never really had to say it out loud, which is like the capital city of the Drow. Uh, sprawling, huge city. Absolutely. We've already seen uh, that we are getting a card for Lolf, the Spider Queen. Um, I don't know if that's the name of the card. I'm just remembering it off the top of my head. Um, but that is where that is her domain. She is the queen of Minzo Baranzen, uh, the queen of all of the Dark Elves. Um, and then, uh, Brian, you mentioned earlier Silvery Moon, which is like the, I don't want to say it's like the, um, what is that place in Lord of the Rings where all the elves are? 
It's like if that place had uh, humans and stuff too. So, so um, Silvery Moon is a city. It's a mixed city. Of, like it's mostly humans, but there are a lot of elves and halflings, and it's a very free spirited city. It's a city of higher learning. It is considered one of the most formidable cities in the northern areas um, of Toro, and it, it's super popular. You, you see a lot of it explored in the early Drizzt novels, but not as much in the later ones. Um, but it, it's it's a popular city in the, in the north, and it's the most powerful city in the area. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is sort of a major city that I don't think they've done a lot with uh, yeah, in, in the, the campaigns. It is not. Uh, they don't give it a lot of attention. Well, it's not on the Sword Coast, so they don't care. <laughs> uh, the 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 next thing I really want to just touch on before we finish up sort of an overlook of the world of the Forgotten Realms is the like various organizations that are oftentimes playing into the major stories. And the first one, I think the most important one is the Harpers. The Harpers is essentially the good guys. <laughs> like it's it's that is like the easiest way to describe them. The Harpers is the the group, the guild, I suppose, of good aligned adventurers who are trying to save the world or do good things. Um, they are, they have connections all over Faerun. They have like teleportation portals set up. So if like you're on a campaign, it's like, oh, I need to go here, but it's super far away. Hop over and take one of the Harper's portals. Um, it is all of like the heroes, like the canonical heroes are usually part of the Harper's. You work with them in, I think every of the, the, adventure campaigns that they've put out has a harper character who you work with um there's also the zentarum zentarum um those are like the mafia (laughs) and like organized crime and like rogues they're the evil people uh generally they're up to no good um they like to rob word they're looking out for their own they okay i will i will say (laughs) they're legitimate businessmen chris Exactly. It is totally it is totally possible that you play a chaotic neutral Zentarum member. You're not gonna be a good guy and be part of the Zentarum. Um they're oftentimes in an adventure the bad guys. But there are other organizations too that I think are a little bit more in the gray area. Um I would say the Lord's Alliance is really well known. They are good guys, but they're really the good guys looking out for themselves. Um, in my experience, for the lore at least, a lot of the times the the Lords Alliance are really fickle, really hard to convince to help anyone. Um, they're looking out for the lords of the land. Yeah, they're they're sort of the people who are. I I, I put a little note here. They're kind of like the capitalists of um of the the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, they're the really only. Yeah. Yes. They don't really care if like. The good guys win. They just care that their, you know, cities aren't destroyed and that they get to make money. Um, and then, like, I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Faye, the Red Wizards, the Red Wizards are always evil. I've never seen the Red Wizards ever depicted as anything other than evil. They are... This is why I made that distinction about the Zentarum, because sometimes Zentarum aren't actually evil. They, like, they, there is a distinction between the Red Wizards and the, and the Zentarum, but not always black and white yeah the the red wizards are um they're a majocracy they they believe that magic is right instead of might is right it's magic is right they have they do a lot of very evil magic 
Um, and they use it to enslave people and to kill people and just do generally bad things. Um, they are often, depending on which setting and which adventure you're running, they are either in full power of an empire or they are like mysterious in the shadows. Like they are just, but regardless, they're always evil. Gotcha. All right. I think that's about all the time we have for today. This was a lot of fun, actually. Like I, I loved uh, uh, chatting about these things and trying to remember which of the wiki rabbit hole facts I remember. So if you're listening now, next week, we're going to talk about characters. We'll, we'll talk about the characters that we've already had previewed. Uh, and we'll talk about other characters that probably have a high likelihood of being in the set. Uh, I have I didn't work on anything related to this set, uh, and Brian and Chris certainly didn't. So we don't really know who's in the set, but we'll we'll take a stab at it based on who's who's been featured recently. Yeah, I think it's it's good to to do all the characters in one episode because it'll be much more structured than this one because uh, characters are a lot easier to talk about than abstract concepts of the world. Yeah, and it's a lot to cover. And again, if you're a D&D fan who listened all the way through and you've got your bullet points of all the things we got wrong, uh, please don't. <laughs> please don't post that. No, no, no. Oh, it's no, no, no. Me, if, so. you, if you want us to read them, please go over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. Sign up. Uh, you can join our Discord server. We have a great community. Uh, you can post your complaints in our podcast discussion board about all the things we got wrong this episode. Uh, I will happily read them. And uh, yeah, you can join this great community uh, of, of of lovely people who, who enjoy D&D as well as magic. Thank you, Jay. You messed everything up, Jay. I was gonna Jay, you... That. Oh, no, you Jay, do you it, Brian. I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. No, no you've done it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> We're falling apart without Lorelai here because you just did the Patreon plug and we haven't even done final thoughts. Everything has descended into chaos. Oh, well, we could do some the final thoughts. All right. I just I just want to say my final thought. I'm going to go out of order here because Lorelai's not here is uh, Lorelai get better. Lorelai is uh, having a tough medical time right now. Hopefully things will be better by the time the episode is posted. But uh, send in lots of positive thoughts that way, because even after it's done gonna suck yeah i'll echo uh we've we've been talking long enough i'll just echo chris's lovely sentiments for lorelei get well soon my final thought is that uh i'm mad that jay stole my thunder because i was totally going to use that to roll into the final thoughts and then it's it's fine it's fine yeah if, if you have complaints with things that i misspoke about or that we forgot or that needs clarification feel free to send them to us on uh on our in our Discord server, which you can get access to from patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthoscast. <laughs> <laughs>